0: my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need in what roles and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, Where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to jackie at jackieservice.com or feel free to reach out at jackieservice across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. Sean Clark, I'm excited about this one because we're going to get to know each other on the show. And I had a chance to take a look at your background and invite you into the show and you so graciously accepted. So I appreciate you being here and uh, getting situated back to the Western Coast time zone after a a trip overseas.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
0: I love it. We're going to dive into a lot of questions just around what what it's like to be a founder of multiple companies and a co-founder at that and some of the different experiences that you've had. But before we dive into that, I always like to uh, keep it light up front and do a couple rapid fire questions so people can get to know you better. Sounds good. Love it. Okay. So where did you grow up? Uh, In and around Portland, Oregon. Okay. And where's home now? Eugene, Oregon. Okay. So we haven't left. We haven't gone very far. Well, I, I was technically born in California. Then
1: I lived a year in Tennessee. Then I lived five years in Colorado. And then I moved to Oregon, but that was all before seventh grade. So I figure post seventh grade. is mostly grown up. So i have lived in a couple of places, but most of it's in Oregon. Yeah.
0: Okay. You have your roots planted there and, exactly. and keep coming back. I love that. A book that you recommend to everyone, something that you love to get in the hands of other people. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, the psychology of money. Mm. What is it about that one that, that catches your attention?
1: It does a really good job of. I'm a I'm a huge Warren Buffett fan. It does a really good job of talking about how to how to sort of over time make money by doing boring things that are not radical or exciting and won't um you know get don't play well at cocktail parties but just sort of functionally work over a 30 year period. And if most people just did them, they would be radically better off for having done so.
0: Mm, Love this. Okay, I actually that's one I have not read. So I need to, I'm going to put it in the, Amazon. I
1: I didn't have a high expectations, but no, it was, it was incredibly well done just mostly because it had a, a lot of good advice that I felt like I was already aware of, but only because I was a crazy follower of Warren Buffett. And so I thought it was great to see it put out in, in the public that way.
0: Love that. Love that. A mentor who you can go back to and remember kind of moments in time that whether it was advice or just frankly being there that were kind of pivotal moments in your own philosophy and business or life.
1: Uh, well, I would say, I mean, not, I don't, never personally met him, but I've seen him many times. I'd say Warren Buffett is probably my best mentor. Um, just been to Omaha, Nebraska to see him seven years in a row. Maybe it's eight now. Uh, uh, and just having an opportunity to listen to him, ask him questions, um, read a lot about him. Um, I just felt like he's a good hero and mentor from from my perspective, um, mostly because he's old um, and he's been doing things for a long time. And uh, I, I really appreciate things that have longevity and sustainability. Mm. So that's why. Yeah. Oh,
0: Consistency over time, right? It really, there's, you see it so many times within within business or on the online space, people kind of come off and on it so quickly. And it's just people doing the same thing repetitively, whether people are watching or not, that it's it's always impressive to me. I grew up an athlete. So the like constant, you know, working out in the dark or when people aren't watching is, is definitely a philosophy I've followed as well. So I love that. Thanks for sharing. Let's do this. I'd love to open the door to learn a little bit more about your story and understand how you got into entrepreneurship and frankly, being a founder slash co-founder so early in your career and how that's kind of evolved over time for you.
1: Sure. So um, I'm a super nerdy dude, um, software nerd, um, grew up single mom, uh, only child, mechanical engineer, mother, and sort of really early on had a passion for engineering because of that probably, but also noticed that my mom, no matter how hard she worked, could be laid off at will, um, from employers. And I never really liked that idea. And so I think I tried to find something that combined my love of engineering with, you know, this idea that, well, at least if I'm going to fail, I might as well kind of do that on my own, um, and not be sort of held to the whims of other people. And so I think that sort of drove me towards entrepreneurship ultimately, um, And, you know, I never, I had no entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I had no one I could ask or point to. So it was very much stumbling in the dark, but, you know, I started early. I, I think I was making websites for people when I was 14 or something. So, I mean, it just a lot of really good, a lot of time to, to, to fumble around and, and, and find my footing um, just kind of over
0: the years. Mm, I love that. I also love, you know, lived experience is such a big piece of what I talk about and my own, my own experiences of, Hey, I sometimes have to live it before I can talk to it. You know, I can listen to it on a podcast, but unless I've done it myself, it's, it's hard to truly understand kind of the depths. And so on this, on this show, a lot of founders are listening in. And one of the things that they, we get feedback on a lot is I love hearing about the trials tribulations successes that some of these founders have because it allows me to hear firsthand some of the experiences that that others have had around me as well sometimes it makes it makes them feel less lonely and that you know they're not alone going through that do you want to talk a little bit about the specifics of the different businesses you've started and some of the su- successes you've had through those to, i'll have to try to remember them all I mean, you could even say- just do the last last multiple years but
1: most of them were just sort of I mean so I would sort of think of it as a, a series of, of semi successes um so I, I think you know I, I gosh you know I started so I, I dropped out of college to start an answering service which I then worked on for 12 years with a co-founder who was many years my senior um and that was a great lesson because I we grew a very large business but I also came to learn the difference between majority ownership and minority ownership. Um, and so subsequent to that, I went on to found my own uh, company called Invoice Sherpa, which was a software company that did in, uh, automated invoice reminders. And I grew that to about a thousand customers, but, you know, made a lot of mistakes, pricing it too low, um, became a single owner o- o- owner um, operator because not by choice, but by the fact that I couldn't mm-hmm. pay besides myself. So that was, Great, and then I a good lesson, and lucky for me, I, I was able to sell that business. Sadly, not enough to retire, but enough that I could go on to my next thing, and then really learning the value of co-founders in the next business. I, my first co-founder with this business, who's still with us today, um, he and I built a six series of successive failures prior to high level. Um, you know, first tried to target uh, the the sort of work, uh, the sort of plumbing, HVAC kind of home services niche. Built an entire yeah. app for that. Uh, took it out to market. That failed. Uh, pivoted to what we tried to be more of a small business marketing software system. That had some early success, but very quickly ran into the problem that small businesses couldn't couldn't sell or service this sort of software on their own. They couldn't figure out how to make it work. So that failed. So really, just a lot of continual sort of evolutions on this on a lot of themes. But you know, really failure after failure after failure, and truly just not. Giving up or or stopping uh, to admit the failure. Um, just trying to figure out, okay, well, what can we take from this experience, or or what can we be built that's useful that we can take on to the next thing that we do.
0: Love that. And what is high level today? Who do you serve us? Like, who is your customer? Yeah. What do well, you offer high level is
1: Big today. So high level originally was was I mean, in its in its first successful incarnation, I think we only envisioned that it would be the you know, sort of sale software platform for marketing agencies is kind of the way we envisioned it. But you know, we are very lucky. We have some incredibly smart customers who opened our eyes to the fact that actually the, the the true vision of High Level is to sell software to small businesses, which is really back to where we started. So High Level today is a full CRM, marketing automation, phone system, communities, mark uh, uh, memberships, invoicing, proposals, estimates, on and on and on. It's hundreds and hundreds of features. It's truly a a massive software platform that now serves in the millions of users. Um, uh, And so I would say, you know, direct, direct, uh, I wouldn't say competition, but per se, because we have a different business model, but direct correlations, things like Salesforce or HubSpot, not on the enterprise side. So Salesforce for its depth and its breadth, but not for its, we don't target uh, uh, enterprises at all, but, you know, the HubSpots, the active campaign, something like that. Something, uh, but in each of those scenarios, similar customer bases, but probably honestly more features than, than any of them, Uh, but all really driven off the back of a radically different distribution model than, than those folks. But anybody who's looking for something that kind of correlates, that's kind of where I would
0: go. Mm, I love this. And so who are, I mean, obviously if you have that many users, you're, you're across multiple different industries and is there any specific.
1: No, I I mean, if you, you name somebody, I got them. So, you know. AstroTurf installers. We got those insurance agents. We got those, you know, uh, plumbers. We got those lawyers. We got those, you name it. We got those. We, we even have the largest football league in the United States. We have the largest online retailer in the world. Um, but, um, you know, so it's a very big, so even though we don't target enterprises, we have
0: several. Got it. And what makes the distribution so different than some of the other ones? Like, what is it that's so? Compelling? We don't direct. So the big issue we ran
1: into right out of the gate early on was small businesses would come to us and say, "We love the software; it's amazing, um, but we need to cancel because we can't figure out how to use it." And I was okay. like, yeah. but And then of course I don't take these things very well. Um, so I would just sort of say, you know, are you stupid? Are you an idiot? Like, which is it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have this type of software in your business, you're going to lose, your competition's going to crush you. And I would get people who would just admit like, yeah, that's so true. But I still can't figure out how to be a plumber by day and a marketer by night. I just right. can't
0: put together. And
1: mm-hmm. so this is where uh, we were very lucky again, we had a a marketing agency actually call us who had a co-customer in common and say, hey, we wanna get on the phone. I wanna get on the phone with you and see what you're doing for my customer and that kind of thing. And as usual with with almost every great idea I've ever seen, I said, oh, that's the dumbest thing ever. I should never talk to this person. They don't even pay us. Why would I talk to them? But he was super nice. And so I figured, well, let's just waste an hour of our day because we don't have anything else to do. And it turned out that uh, not only was he very nice, but he, he, he totally understood what we're trying to do. He bought it for all of his existing customers, which still wasn't very convincing to me. Um, but he then opened my eyes to the fact that it's truly the marketing agency or the, sort of think about it as a third-party consultant, whatever you want to think of behind the scenes that truly makes most of this software actually functional for a small business. And it really changed our whole world. And we subsequently shelved the whole idea of selling small businesses entirely and now only sell to marketing agencies is what we call them. But could be consultants, could be bookkeepers, could be just anyone who has a third-party relationship with a business who's already in there doing something for them. That's our distribution model.
0: It's brilliant. I love it. I've, I, uh, my niche is all about hiring, and specifically, I hire a lot of integrators for founders and CEOs. And uh, a lot of my clients, I have uh, a number of clients who are marketing agencies and, when I saw your technology, that was one of the first questions I was asking. I like, okay, who's the ultimate customer that you're selling to? And so often you're right, because it's those agencies that are actually implementing the, strateg- the strategic efforts in-house and helping own the tech. So I love this distribution model. It's genius.
1: Thanks. Well, I lucked into it, so I can take no credit.
0: <laughs> well, hey, you you had an hour conversation that opened your eyes to what a new yeah, possibility
1: yeah, I'm a, was. Yeah, I'm a really good thief. So don't worry about that. I'm, I'm happy. i am happy. Every great idea I've ever had, I've stolen from someone much smarter than me.
0: And that's what this is all about. It's actually just sharing ideas or sharing what we've learned through the experiences in hopes that somewhere down the road, we can help somebody else. That's really the intent. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. I love it. So now you're over 600 employees. You're global. You just got yep. back from Japan. I caught you at a time where you're reintegrating back into the West Coast time zone. And you I'm a little fuzzy. So I apologize. And now you need a anybody. cup of
1: coffee. Anybody
0: who's wondering what the heck's wrong with this guy.
1: I, I I mean, I'm generally odd. So don't get that don't get me wrong. But the time zone change is also contributing.
0: Uh, well, you know what? That's it, it's a lot to get your body back on to um your West Coast time zone. That's right. So, I'm curious for you. when you think about the successes that you've had at high level, well, your six hundred plus employees, what have some of the unlocks around people been for you? what have what has hiring the right people led for your business?
1: Um, well, I think it's been instrumental. Um, I'm actually I mean I mean looking back, things that I always tell people are like, there are many positions we have today that I wish we'd hired sooner. But I simply delayed because I either didn't believe it was necessary, or because I was just scared about cash flow. Um, we've been bootstrapped um, since the beginning. Um, we did take a round a couple of years ago, but we didn't actually need the money. So you know, um, we did this that for other reasons. And so when you're spending your own money to hire people, I think you get really cagey about it. And so not hiring soon enough, I think, is really a big important lesson. And then as we've grown to this size, one of the things I would say actually is ignoring common sense has been the best thing we could do. So, you know, you get a lot of advice to hire like super experienced people and who've been around the block and done this and that. And I think there's some merit to that, but I also think the the counterbalance that people don't often really realize is that those people bring their own baggage to, this, to the situation. And so, you I, I know, I would say that that has been a mixed bag. So, you know, some of the people we've brought on um, have brought fantastic um, positives, but they've all, all of those people have also brought you know, terrible negatives that we basically had to say, say to them very directly, listen, that, that is baggage. You need to leave it at the door and you know, we're going to burn it out of you or we're going to fire you. Like you got two choices here because, and in reality, it, 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 is, it reinforced this idea that, you know, you may have younger folks or or less experienced folks who are, who they may need to be leveled up in some way um, where you need to get them some kind of like executive training and this and that, but it's almost better to go that route. Then, because it's really, it's sort of like it, it seems obvious now, but it's sort of hard to to, to 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 describe. But like hiring for the smile, right, is 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 the way I would always think about it. Because if you find, let's just say you need friendly people, like how do you train someone to be friendly? It's like inc- it's impossible, right? Yeah, but you. Could- Find a lot of friendly people who like aren't good with numbers or you know there's some like some specific skill or like they don't know hr policy this and that like those are things that can be trained but you just can't teach people to be nice right mm-hmm. and i think in our business we came here through a, a journey of very entrepreneurial people and hiring you know like experienced corporate executives who just also happen to be entrepreneurial, good luck with that. Like they're just the, like the exact antithesis of each other. So truly that has been one of the big learnings I think of late for me is, you know, I'd rather level up existing people or even just continue to hire the way we always did and, yeah. and forget your stupid LinkedIn resume. I don't care if it's, it's ugly. In fact, the uglier, the better, because that just tells me that you're probably scrappier. You're more flexible. You're more dynamic. You're less likely to come in and tell me like, you know, well, at fortune 502 that I used to work at, we used to do it like this. And it was like, yeah, but that sucks. Nobody wants to do that. Let's not do that.
0: Yeah. I love this. There's so much, there's so much goodness in what you're saying. One hire sooner. I'm a big proponent of proactive hiring, even in the, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of proactive hiring and also not bankrupting businesses. So I'm very mindful of cash flow and making sure that we set, set people up for success that way. But what you're saying is, and I, I, work to explain this to many founders is hire for things like willingness, hire for things like a kind smile, hire for things like the personality traits that you know are going to just enhance your culture, bring bring a better experience to your customer and level up the the training internally to actually support the development as well. So big proponent of what you're talking about and curious then to kind of follow up that question. Do you then typically hire more, let's call it like new grad level talent or more junior talent to then build them within the business?
1: Oh, oh, we don't think it like that. I, I think okay. the thing is the more frames you put on stuff, like the harder you're gonna make it on yourself. I think what we do is we actually the only thing I don't I look for is just like we look for entrepreneurial people. Got it. Right. I don't care how old you are or young you are or like where you live or this or that. I just care that you're not like you know ensconced in some value system that you know. It's amazing how many people come to the plate like they work for companies who are falling behind or they may even work for like software companies but then those software companies like make no money and the only reason they have like the doors open is because they like raised hundreds of millions of dollars and so when you show up here it's like well we don't do that here and so like I can't I can't use you because you're so jaded and like well what do you mean we can't spend 10 million dollars on the on the trade show budget this year it's like what are you talking about you you know like do you realize that makes no money do you realize like that's why your company today is, you know, is, is sort of like, you know, on the tape from VCs all the time to keep the lights on. Like, that's not how you do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's helpful to kind of get a sense of how your, what your philosophy is around hiring and where you bring yeah. them in within the I mean, business. I, I,
1: I think we do skew younger, but, and maybe that is a, a, the entrepreneurial thing, but I, I would say that I've, I've certainly run it. I've also run into older people who are incredibly entrepreneurial, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and speaking as an older person myself, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I can I can see the merits on both sides, but you know, it, it, it tends to be as you get older, you get more. I think you do get more, uh, you know, jaded, and and you lean back on your experience a bit more and assume that's how the world's always going to be. Um, it, it's funny how travel can be so insightful. I just went to Japan, and one of my biggest takeaways was how time warped they appear to be. It feels to me like around about 2005 they hit the pause button so everything that was in 2005 they own it like hybrid cars they invented them they're amazing they've got bullet trains that go 170 miles an hour and they've never had an accident and it's amazing except in both of those technologies they've now been radically one-upped I mean the maglev trains go faster they float on magnets the Chinese have them the Japanese don't what the heck happened I know they didn't innovate Right. What, you know, they created that's cool and all, but guess what guys moving on? Let's, let's move to electrics. It's all batteries, but they don't do that there. And so it's weird how you can win, you can win the day, but then as soon as you pause up, it's like, you just start to lose it and you give enough time, even really big, expensive things like, like, like bullet trains, you could still lose your edge on a bullet train, you know, even though that's a radically hard thing to build. And so I I always just think it's, it's mo- most important to be entrepreneurial more than anything else, because it always tells you, you can't stop. You have to continue to move. You have to continue to innovate. And a lot of the ideas that used to work, you got to blow those up or burn them down because the new thing is what's going to lead the day.
0: Yeah. I love this. Let's actually break that down a little bit more because I'm hearing a lot of the things that you're saying, but I'd love you to maybe directly answer the question of, what does it mean to be entrepreneurial to you?
1: I mean, to me, it just means like you're just sort of constantly in a state of action. Like you're biased towards action, right? So in everything you do, um, you know, you're you're looking to like, okay, cool, check. What's the next step? Like, how do we continue to make this better, or or you know, even different, right? Like, how do we continue? You know, what is what is going to disrupt this? What is going to be the way in which that, you know, what is the thing that we just, we hammer on today that we say like, this is absolutely never going to change. This is 100% super important that actually now that's going to go away. And what is going to cause that to go away? And it's always that bias towards action that makes it super important and and really not saying like, that's impossible or that like in any, and, and it's mostly like, people saying things like, well, that's against the policy or like that's against the rules or something like (laughs) those are the statements that you need to watch out for, because that tells you that that someone's created this artificial barrier that is holding them back from something. Um, and it just, it it leads to wacky outcomes that tend to tend to really like hurt people. Like, um, Again, my, my recent travels, we got into a situation where you know it, 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 I've seen this, I've done I've had this happen in the US, I've had this happen in Japan. So I, I now know the difference. So we were waiting in one airline line, it took like 45 minutes, it was a crazy long line to get up there. And the airline I've had this happen in the US airlines like, oh, you know what? Actually, it says our name on the ticket, but it's actually being flown by this other airline over here, right next to us. Um, you actually have to get checked in with those folks. And I was like, Okay, that's fine, but you know, we've rated for 45 freaking minutes. Like, can you move us to the front of the line? Because it's not like we did anything wrong. You told us to come here. It's got your name, on think, or whatever. And in the U.S., they'll be like, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense most of the time. Let me see if I can get you blah, 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 you know, and they'll get you pushed up. But in Japan, it's like, nope, sorry, doesn't compute. Like, that's not what the SOP says. That's not what the rules say. That's not what the policy is. It, like, it's just very clear that they can't deviate from the, from the norm. And that right there is just an artificial barrier. And what happens in those scenarios is your customer is the person who ultimately gets hurt. The person of the company always feels good because they're like, Well, I follow the policy, yay, A plus for me. But it's like, no, 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 no. But you just destroyed your customer experience that sucks. You you fail, right? Versus, had you had you made an exception to the rule, right? Everyone would have been so much happier because it made sense in that moment, right? That's right. the bias to action. Um, and to us, that's just brutally important.
0: Mm. So I'm curious for you then at a high level right now, what what are you seeing in the industry or in the trends that are showing you, okay, we have to be innovative. We have to look at things differently because this is no longer gonna work the same way. Well, look at
1: AI, right? Like, isn't that the big thing right now? So like we're sure trying is. to disrupt ourselves in every way possible. So on the on the internal side, we're saying, well, how can we get our programmers access to AI tools immediately so that, they, that AI can write as much of the code as possible So we can write more code right we don't see it as a as a problem there we see it as a as a huge innovation hey you know we have a one of our biggest departments is customer service and we have some very simple questions that come in all the time on the front end how can we replace all those people with ai so we can take those people and move them to a more important role in support where they're doing more sophisticated roles because ai can do that job right hey how can we get the ai tools out to our customers which we have in chat, in chat, in in uh content creation, in image creation, so that our customers can use it and weaponize it to create more content for their customers faster. So, you know, that is really to us, like the big things, like how can we use AI to disrupt ourselves internally, but also how can we provide these tools out for to our customers and how can we, comp- you know, and it's a big, AI is like a big thing, right? And it, the problem is like, we've all seen these cool examples we can point to, but I think that the, the real challenge is how do you take, the ideas and turn them into outcomes and, and compartmentalize them in ways that you can use to serve your customers. So for us right now, that's one of the big themes we're, we're pushing through.
0: Mm, thank you for talking about how it can disrupt the internal and the external side of things. Oftentimes, yeah. uh, one of the questions I've been asked many times on other people's podcasts lately is about AI and specifically jobs and how that's going to interrupt kind of jobs or what, what my perspective is. And I've always said something similar, which is I actually think it enhances. It can enhance. It can make us faster. It can make us smarter. We can leverage the tools and either deploy people elsewhere if the jobs are no longer relevant because something like AI takes over majority of that job and or put them in a more sophisticated area that they're going to add more value to your customer experience or to whoever the end user is of your product. So I appreciate you just sharing how you have used AI from an internal uh, standpoint to actually enhance the experience overall. Love yeah. that. All right, curious question for you as we as we get to wrap here. I if you could go back and give yourself advice, let's go back 15 years ago, sure. and there's some lesson that you've learned today that you wish 15 years ago you could go give yourself that advice. What would you say to yourself? Um, be less fearful. Get started sooner.
1: You know, so I think good. I think for for me, what what held me back was my, my own fear of failure, um, and just sort of this idea I had in my mind of like how what perfect would look like in terms of starting a business and scaling a company and this and that. And you know, I think that I sort of created like a, a a prison where I couldn't move forward. And for me, it was the birth of my son that really fundamentally changed my life that way because I realized in the, in, in those moments that I I could I could explain to myself every day why I wasn't taking action. But I I couldn't actually explain to him why I was taking action. And it just proved to me that I was lying to myself. And so I realized, ah, screw this. I got to go. So really, at the end of the day, I would say, you know, the sooner you get started, the better. Because fundamentally, it's not going to turn out the way you think it's going to. You're going to have lots of failure along the way. And you're going to do things in ways that you told yourself you'd never do it. Or you'll have experiences that are horrible. But fundamentally, it's about going through those experiences that creates... the the outcomes that you, you ultimately want to get to. And the sooner you get started, the better, because you're not going to be able to outthink um, all of the things that are going to happen because there's just too much randomness, too much luck, um, you know, bad luck and good luck uh, involved in the process. So the sooner you get started, the better.
0: Mm, So good. Um, How old is your son now? Ten. He's 10. I have six year old, almost seven year old twin girls. And I would, I would say the last seven years of my life with the twins have a lot of what you were talking about of like the BS we tell ourselves, you know, it's so radically different when you are looking at these little faces who are just speaking truth at you. They're asking questions. There's no filter. They're speaking truth. And all of a sudden it makes you question life a little differently, doesn't it? Well, I mean, you just,
1: I mean, you're supposed to tell your kids like, you know, go for it. You can do anything you want to do. And it's like, well, wait a second. Am I following that advice? Because if not, I'm going to look like a hypocrite and they're not idiots. They're going to figure that out. Right. So at some point they're going to be like, why should I do something that you're not willing to do? So I was like, all right, well,
0: doing it. (laughs) I love it. And does he, would you say that he, has he been with you on trips? Has he seen you um, in in the business environment?
1: Yeah, he goes everywhere. So he went to Japan with us um, and that that was a work trip. And, uh, you know, like we take him, I take him, you know, when he's not in school and all that, um, take him everywhere. And um, yeah, he, uh, you know, and I, and I bore him to death constantly about business. And you know, honestly, whether he is an entrepreneur himself or not, that's on him. I think what I've what I've learned is you can't make your kids be what you want them to be. But I sure as heck am going to give him the education around money and finance and economics that I never had, um, because I think it underlies everything. I don't care if you're, you want to be a corporate employee for your entire life, that's fine. I mean, i not my bag, but that's fine. You know, that's what makes him happy. But at the end of the day, he still needs to know how much to save every month and, you know, how to save it and how to invest it and all those things. And so those types of lessons I think are germane to everybody. And so I I feel like, you know, he's going to get that from me no matter what. So, you know, it's just, this is how it goes.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. We have the same philosophy. I I always say, how can I teach my, how can I tell my girls to dream big if I'm not doing that as well? And and this year was um, one of our first years where any business trip we went on in this winter, they came with us. And it was so fun to actually kind of create these different experiences around Yes. What is mom's job actually, instead of just, they laugh, they say, mom, you know, you're always on the computer. I don't know exactly what you do yeah, this year. They got, what does that mean? They got to actually see it in action. And it was such a different conversation that we can have now. So I love that you do something similar. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Beautiful. So let's talk about, um, high level. If somebody was trying to learn more about it, or they've listened to something today where they want to get more yeah. access to you, how can they get in contact with you?
1: I mean, I would just go to our YouTube. I mean, you can always hit me up on Facebook Messenger and, you know, go to the website and this and that. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, go to our YouTube channel. I mean, I think it's a fantastic way to experience the product because we don't only just show off our product, but we also, we're very community focused and driven. So we have a lot of people in the marketing field or in in the software field who are actively, you know, uh, we're either talking about how they use high level and, or just what they do in the
0: world. Uh, so it gives you a lot more context. Plus you can see a lot of the backend features and that kind of thing. Amazing. All right, YouTube, we'll link everything up in the show notes. If you're listening and want to get access to Sean and, or any more information about uh, high level, we will get you all of those links. Sean, I so appreciate your time and just your willingness to hop on a quick conversation and share your experience in hopes to support somebody else who's out there. That's Um, starting as a founder, thinking about being a co-founder and or just getting off the ground. So appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. All right, guys, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, It would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful until next time. We'll see you again on the Jackie service show.